Little mice fell in a bucket of cream. The first mouse quickly gave up and drowned. The second mouse wouldn't quit. He struggled so hard that eventually he turned that cream into butter and crawled out. Gentlemen, as of this moment, I am that second mouse. It's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance. Now let's start the show. Step All right, folks, welcome back. What is up? Hope y'all are doing marginally better than us. Um, Welcome back to the Second Mouse Podcast. A little under the weather today, a little stressed, but it's all good because we're here to give you some high-level and granular information on the NFL Draft. And I'm here with Q. Say hi to everybody, Q. Hi, everybody, Q. There you go. Um, We wish Gatto was present, but... um, I don't. I don't. Yeah, I mean, it's 50-50 for me. Yeah. He, he wanted to be here, but he also saw, um, he's been reading a lot about AI, and he was so interested and really wanted to get ahead of the curve on that, that he tried to upload his consciousness to his computer. Mm. He fucked that up, though, and he actually uploaded it to his father's Buick's OnStar. So, um, yeah. Huge mistake on his part. So he will just haunt his parents for the rest of their natural lives, telling them where they need to park. I mean, it's not a bad deal because it's free. Because, like, you know, usually have to pay for that. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think if I ever need directions, I will certainly reach out to GM and try to have them put me in touch with him. Tom, thank you for doing it. I know you were in here last week, but thank you for doing the intro last week. We really appreciate that. Shows you don't listen to the episode because uh, Gatto did a little uh, Tom impression that I, oh. got very, I got very confused on. Oh, no. <laughs> well, I've been traveling and doing a number of other things. Um, yeah. For and- anybody who doesn't know, Tom, uh, if you ever seen the Hostel movies, Tom is the guy who organizes the get togethers where he finds those guys. And he sure. also organized and participates, organized and participates. <laughs> he, he also does the tattoos for the guys. You know, they have those tattoos. Like, it's like a look, I mean, we, we all had a pandemic hobby. <laughs> Somebody had to do that one. I will not, I will not apologize. I got to keep the lights on somehow. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's the gig economy, baby. <laughs> But um, Tom, I was I actually I was actually yeah. at um, friend of the show and um, former guest Tyler's wedding this past weekend. Congratulations to him. Congratulations on the sex um, and um, got to connect with the Friends and Low Expectations podcast as well. And we argued, we fought, we made up, we fought again and we partied. Sounds like West Side Story. Yeah. Podcast. We were. Watching the Sharks or the Jets? Yes. Um, We were watching the NFL podcast. We were watching the NFL draft um, prior to the wedding, during the wedding, having some reactions to there. And I know that they'll have an episode coming out pretty soon. But um, 
For those who have not listened to that podcast, they'll be linked in the show notes down below. Good stuff if you like fantasy football and if you like football in general. We'll try to have Philly on at some point so he can dig into that. Um, all right. Let's get into it. NFL draft. What do we got? Yeah. Uh, so I figured um, can kind of start out with just the, the basics because uh, there was it was kind of a surprising day for me. <laughs> There's there he is um, kind of a surprising day. I'm was not happy in the beginning of the night, obviously, because it seems like I, I don't know, Tom, if you think that do you think Howie Roseman, the GM of the Philadelphia Eagles, is like practicing like black magic or something? Because it seems like the Eagles just operate at a different speed than everybody else. And like, I, I think some of the praise has gotten, gotten a little ridiculous, but it's pretty amazing that you watch. We'll talk about the Lions uh, a little bit later. Some teams kind of try and outsmart themselves in the draft and like end up looking like an idiot. I think Howie Roseman, I don't think he does anything special. I think he just follows like basic logic. But it's just crazy how it seems like he's one of the very few that actually do that. So I'm guessing you're talking about all the the Georgia players that they're able to to scoop. I mean, well, so so to stick it not so it's to stick it pick ten. Uh, uh, so they they traded up with the Chicago Bears to move up to nine, gave mm-hmm. up basically nothing, and to get Jalen Carter, who many consensus people believe if he's got his head on straight is the best player in this draft by far um, at a position that they are already very rich in uh, with uh, Milton Williams, with uh, Fletcher Cox and all these other guys, Brandon Graham, Nolan Smith. Well, Nolan Smith was added later. Yeah. And I mean, they already have all these other guys in the trenches, by the way, um, the edge rushers name is escaping me. Jordan Davis. Oh, uh, he's the, he's the nose tackle who is the teammates with Jalen Carter. I mean, they they just have they they lost Jerron Hargrave, and it doesn't it doesn't seem like it's going to matter. And I, they've been one of the teams that have been best at like drafting for future positions. Like they mm-hmm. lose these guys, and they don't lose a step. Um, and then yeah, and then they have pick number thirty, which was their pick. And by the way, having pick ten in the first place was ridiculous because the New Orleans Saints are idiots, constantly giving away future value. But then they get Nolan Smith, and then on day two they trade up and get Kaylee Ringo uh, day three. They can move up and get Kaylee Ringo, the corner out of Georgia, no business being there in round four. Um, and it's like, it's kind of a joke because they've been drafting a lot of Georgia players, but like the 2021 Georgia defense might be one of the best defenses I've ever seen in my life. So it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I feel like in every sport, there's always a team that is just able to get away with shit right now. It's the Eagles. In baseball, it was the Dodgers for a long time where it just seemed like they were able to accumulate talent with no with no real energy having to be expelled on their side to make it happen. Yeah. And I think I think we've had this conversation before where there are really, really smart people in the NFL as general managers, as scouts, as executives. And then there are just really stupid people. Yeah. And I don't think there's a middle ground because you always will see these really smart executives, Roseman being one, I would even throw Jerry Jones um, and his crew into there because they always just seem to accumulate talent in ways that most people can't. 
they're just able to take advantage of like the the lesser experienced or the unqualified executives that are just like, well, we can't make a decision because we have analysis paralysis because we boxed ourselves into this corner. So let's just mm. trade out of it and solve that problem because I think Jalen Carter would be a fit on any team. It's yeah. just, are you willing to look past all of the off field stuff that's happened the combine that, or the pro day he looked, that he had? He that, looked bad. Yeah. He did not look good. I think for him going to Philadelphia is the best place that he can be. It's incredible for him. Because there are so many guys who have are from Georgia that can take him in and be like, nah, man, you're like, you are in Athens and you can do what you want. In the NFL, everything is public. Jordan Jordan Davis is one of his good friends, and he's gonna be literally playing next to him every Sunday. And then they uh they got the linebacker last year, his fucking name's escaping me too. Um, and they got him late from Georgia. They they're just like stacking these guys uh, just out of nowhere, and it's it's really really like crazy to see. And I I just the only good thing is so I want to get to the main point about Howie Roseman because it's the trades. It's not the it's not the drafting. I don't think you're a genius for taking Jalen Carter at nine and Nolan Smith at thirty. Like anyone anyone with a brain would do that, but the trades just don't seem to make sense to me. When I look, I mean, the Saints have are kind of notorious for making bad trades, and then I, you know, you look at the fact that they fucking they gave the future one, and I'm like, Alvin Kamara had been arrested for assault, so like there was a fear that he was going to be suspended. You don't have any answer at real quarterback, really a quarterback. Dennis Allen taking over year one, and like you trade away your future one is why we're going to talk about the Texans later because we have some differencing opinion on that. But like they got that first round pick and it ends up being pick number fucking ten. You you almost win the Super Bowl and you're picking in the top ten of the draft. Yeah. And then this trade for DeAndre Swift just made me so fucking mad because I was talking about Nicobe Dean before the linebacker. Yeah. Uh, he's going to replace T.J. Edwards. Like it makes me so fucking mad. They sw- they essentially gave them like what a fourth round pick in 2025, and you get DeAndre Swift. Yes, injury prone. Yes. If you watched Hard Knocks, he seems like he doesn't like really understand how to play the position yet. Yes. But what's going to happen though is he's going to be a contributor for them, and if not, he leaves the following year. He signs a contract with somebody else and then the the Eagles get a compensatory pick. Mm-hmm. How he does that better than anybody that he will get a guy on an expiring contract, let him play let him leave and then gets a compensatory pick. So you're ultimately getting the compensation back. I just don't think that there are NFL executives that think that far ahead. Again, I think of all of the sports out there, of all the major sports, the NFL is the one where people can just outthink themselves and put themselves in a box. Like, yeah, he's injury prone. He also had eight touchdowns last year and um, Miles Sanders, I think now is with the the Panthers. Yeah. Um, So so they're going to get a compensatory pick for that too. Right. So I just don't understand like the thought process for a lot of these folks of like, let's trade with a team that is going to just take us for a ride. (laughs) This honestly, Deandre Swift's numbers remind me a lot of what Brian Westbrook was when he started his career. He's like, he's electric when he's healthy and focused. And that's just the problem is he hasn't really been that, 
But and also, by the way, didn't the Eagles sign a running back in free agency? Am I crazy? Mm, checking. Well, a little off my game today. I usually would now. I mean, they could have. I feel like they signed someone. Um, Rashad Penny. Yeah, they got Rashad Penny on a one-year deal. So you Who can you, be really, really good when healthy, by the way. That, again, so you're talking about two guys that are very low floor, right? But also insanely high upside for you as a one-two punch doing different things, right? Penny's going to be your like between the tackles, like hammer and Swift will be your kind of outside zone type of dude. Like, I mean, and again, this is what like, you know, we've talked about running backs, like drafting running backs. We'll get to the lions in a, in a few minutes. Drafting running backs to me is kind of pointless at this, at this juncture. You just take a yeah. chance on a guy and just cycle, keep recycling them, get guys that fit different roles, right? Get your hammer. Who's going to get you the tough yards? Get your outside guy who can run in and out, and then get your guy who's really good in pass protection and can catch the ball out of the backfield. Like, yeah, three-headed monster. But to be said, I the one this is the only thing I'm clinging to, and you're a Commanders fan, so like you're clinging to it too. The only thing I can hold my hat on is that in the past, when the Eagles have had these super teams, they typically tend to fall apart. So they could get crushed by the weight of their own expectations. So, I mean, again, that's all I got. Yeah. Um, I think those teams were constructed maybe like a year too late. And I think yeah. you're referring to the 2007, like the Michael Vick, Vince Young. Um, that, was was the, that was the year the Giants won the Super Bowl. Was Yeah. The there was a whole bunch of guys on there that should have been way better than they were. But I think they were all kind of like a a year too late in their careers. And Vince Young was just kind of like a weird, like pickup on that team. They, and they had signed Namdi Asamoah in that off season. That didn't work for them. So. Cause he was a zone corner trying to play man. Just yeah. you know, didn't work. And he just got exposed the whole time. So, yeah. I mean, it's also the NFL too, right? Like you can be a team like the Carolina Panthers in 2004 or 2003, go to a Super Bowl, lose. And then the next year, like, 19 of your 21 starters get hurt. Tom, the NFL is a weird place like that. Tom, the, this is the defensive line for the Philadelphia Eagles. The starting defensive line is Brandon Graham, Jordan Davis, Fletcher Cox, Josh Sweat. Not to mention that they have Derek Barnett, Jalen Carter, Mil Milton Williams, and Contavious Street on the bench. With fucking Hassan Reddick on the edge, Nicobe Dean taking over in the middle. I mean, it's just and they brought back Bradbury and Slay. They and they also got Greedy Williams too. Did they get Greedy Williams? Mm -hmm. No, they did. Fucking hell, man. So man, what I, you're saying is they they need to be in the locker room and someone needs to break the key off in the lock and they can't get out for game one. If Howie Roseman calls you and he's like, hey, I want to talk about a trade, hang up the phone. You are going to lose. Yeah, yeah. You're going I mean, to lose. Congratulations, Detroit. You helped and New Orleans. You helped somebody create a fucking super team. And not to mention, like again, like I talked about, like they lost TJ Edwards, but they replaced him with Nicobe Dean. They lose uh Vitae or whatever his name was, the guard, mm -hmm. and they 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 replace him with Cam Jurgens. I mean, it just they they lose uh they lose what's his name, the running back, Miles Sanders, and they replace him with Swift and Penny. It's like, 
And still keep Boston Scott there too. I don't, Tom, I told you to not say that name in my presence ever, ever. Right. <laughs> All right. So I want to transition to the Lions because I overall liked what they did, but they broke my cardinal rule. And I'm a little bit surprised because we were just talking about how running back is so easy to get. And yeah. at pick number 12, the real surprise of the draft for me was Jameer Gibbs running back out of Alabama, formerly of Georgia Tech who I'm yeah. a fan of. I think he profiles very similar to Alvin Kamara in his style of play. Tom, do you know where Alvin Kamara was drafted? Probably right there. Third round. Ooh. He was a backup at Tennessee for a while. Um, so, but like you can get these, and I, I think you can argue that there was probably about 12 or 13 guys in this draft at running back that were, probably going to be future starters and you spend a premium pick at 12. Do you remember how badly the Lions defense got their ass handed to them this past yeah. year? And like you have Christian Gonzalez sitting on the board, you have fucking um you have all these corners sitting there and you go with a running back. By the way, Jamal Williams last year led the NFL in touchdowns. They got him off the scrap heap from fucking Green Bay. They didn't want to resign him because it was too much money. And then they invest a 12th overall pick in a fucking running back. He's not even Bijan Robinson. If it was Bijan Robinson, I can least understand. But your your style, your number one, the Detroit offensive line is a top five unit, in my opinion. They're so good, especially in the interior. And then the 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 Ben Johnson has done an amazing job like scripting run plays to make it like like kind of fit what they want to do. You sign David Montgomery in the offseason, you give him guaranteed money. And then you spend a 12th overall pick on a running back? What are you doing? I mean, even like even if we're not talking about any of those people that you referenced like right. in terms of options, you still had monster wide receivers out there that are JSN yeah, Jordan Addison, who's a Blitnikoff winner. Um, I mean, there is definitely pieces there. And even if you wanted to, like, reach and say, like, you know what, let's bring Will Levis in because this will be a nice, like, guy to have on the bench for a while for Jared Goff. I don't – honestly, I don't get any of these picks. I don't get Gibbs because ultimately no one else was going to take him at this point. They they disagree, by the way. They said that – they said that the Jets were going to take Gibbs – at 15. And I said, they have fucking Brees Hall. Why the hell did they take Gibbs? Yeah, I don't I don't buy that. I think that's also a bit of like copium too to try and like totally. ga gas up the guy that they got, but also like self-assure them like somebody was going to take him at some point. Like, yes, at some point somebody was going to take him. Right. But I, I'm looking right now and were there any other running backs that came off the board at that point? No. No, so, I think, no, I think Charbonnet was probably the next one in the second round for Seattle, which, by the way, Seattle, I, what are you doing? Yeah, Bijan Robinson is the only one that made sense to go in the first round, maybe. Not, maybe, to, Atl not maybe. to Atlanta. That was also a stupid pick, but we'll get to that later. But 
The other one too is Jack Campbell. Like you're signing, you're getting an inside linebacker, like first round. Like you could find these guys. Listen anywhere. There is. I don't. I don't know um, if you've been kind of keeping up with. There's a. There's a new trend um, called the RAS. I'm not sure if you've been paying. Is that the like skill and ability, like the athleticism one? Yeah, it's raw athletic score. Um, anybody who doesn't know it, at Math Bomb on Twitter, Kent Lee Platt, um, he kind of organized this. It's it's awesome. I really enjoy it because it does kind of give you. He also gives you historical context for it. So like he'll tell you based upon this guy's numbers, he ranks amongst like linebackers since 1987. He's X out of how many to kind of give you an idea of like, how good is this guy, you know, like, or like how athletic this guy is Jack Campbell, by the way, 9.98 on the, on the RAS. So he, he graded out really, really well. Um, And I believe out of all, so out of 2,652 linebackers since 1987, he's the sixth most athletic linebacker. I've watched some Jack Campbell. I like him a lot. I don't think the athleticism shows up as much when he's playing as it did like when he's in shorts. That being said, uh, inside linebacker is like a no for me in the first round. Agreed. Agreed. I don't there are too many guys that are starting in the league that are like fourth or fifth round guys at the position, unless you can guarantee me, which you can't, that he's Brian Urlacher or Luke Keekley or Ray Lewis. Like, I'm not really that interested. He's the only inside linebacker to go in the first round. Yeah. And, and if you are they could if you're a team, yeah, if you're a team that's picking one person at a position that nobody else is like, shit, we should have got that guy. Like, maybe you're wrong. So well, they like again devalued positions, right? Running back, inside linebacker, and then of course they also say tight end, which by the way, second round pick for the Detroit Lions was Sam Laporta, tight end from Iowa. So they just really did not give a fuck about positional value. But by the way, all good players. Jack Campbell's a really good player, and I would argue that Jameer Gibbs is a really good player, and so is Sam Laporta. But it's just like. Man, the value, but they got lucky because Brian Branch ends up going 45th overall to them. And, like, if you swap Jack Campbell and Brian Branch and then swap Brian Branch with Jameer Gibbs, I I don't hate it as much. Yeah. But, like, so they got lucky that Brian Branch was there because, like, if they taken Brian Branch at 12, I wouldn't have batted an eye. I would have said, yeah, okay. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. I feel like they got kind of – they got their draft wrong, but they also got really, really lucky. They got lucky, yeah. And then Hennon Hooker at 68, which I think is incredible value for a mid-third round pick for him. Again, Jared Goff coming off a very good season. Hooker is not going to be expected to walk in and start. He's not going to be able to because he's on one leg at the moment. So He, he looks pretty good in uh, the training videos I've seen. He looks like he's being able to kind of push off of that leg. So it, it, it just always worries me with non-contact injuries that like – you know, but like then again, you know, Deshaun Watson had the same thing a couple years ago, and he's you know, well, at least he athletically, a, he, <laughs> he had a lot fine. of he had a lot of physical therapy to get him back <laughs> to where he needs to go. Exactly. Um, so yeah, so the, I don't I don't consider the Lions losers, but like they are certainly like they were bordering. 
Yeah, they're kind of 50-50. I think it's going to be interesting to see how those two guys play out. Like, if Gibbs ends up being a starter and getting a majority of snaps at running back and really can't try and kind of changes the calculus for that team, but also if, if Campbell comes in and, like, really puts a charge into that front seven, I think this is a different conversation. But right now, yeah. both of those are kind of like, Why? It's tough, man, because like it, it's it's going to cost it's going to take a lot. And like, yeah, I think Jack Campbell is going to be a, a stud in the NFL, but it's it just makes me I just look at him. I'm like, man, could have gotten him later. I honestly like all the corners were on the board uh, other mm-hmm. than Devin Weatherspoon. And I think that probably was was Seattle took Weatherspoon at five. And I don't think anybody anticipated them doing that. I think that's why they traded back. I think they wanted Weatherspoon, but like Gonzalez and like Banks and you know, Joey Porter Jr. to a lesser extent. I wasn't as big a fan of Joey Porter Jr. Um, they were all there. I, I would have taken Gonzalez and Banks at 12 and 18 and just yeah. loaded up on corner. Because they, they traded away that uh that third overall pick they had a couple years ago. So like mm-hmm. they they really like need corners, guys who can cover. Like honestly, I would have taken those two corners and I still would have taken branch at 45 and just loaded up on the defensive back group. Yeah. But, because I mean, you're ultimately in a division where, you know, Rodgers is gone, granted, but also the Vikings pass a lot. Um, They throw the ball around. And I would imagine that the Bears are going to, you know, from an academic standpoint, they are going to get better and they are going to be able to find receivers that um, they're going to be able, they're going to be a more explosive team when it comes to passing in the next year. So it might be beneficial to find some guys that can cover some people. I agree. And like, that's, that's the thing that ultimately I think is, I still think that they have a really good chance to win the division. It just, man, it was, it was a really, really, really tough sell for me on those first few picks. But again, yeah, if Gibbs ends up becoming Alvin Kamara 2.0, and Campbell ends up becoming Luke Keekley or Brian Urlacher, then yeah, like they end up looking smart, but like you still could have gotten them later. So it's like, I don't know, man. Do you think they were kind of victims of circumstance where all the guys that they wanted were off the board and the other ones that they wanted were just not high enough yet? No. And they were kind of like in limbo. I think they, they took I think they took the guys that they wanted. Cause did you see the reaction um after they picked Gibbs? They were like bear hugging and like celebrating like they just won the Super Bowl. All right. Well, that the, jet, kind of... the Jets, the Jets, on the other hand, I do think fell victim of circumstances because they took Will McDonald at uh, 15. And I think they just panicked and were like, I think I think they wanted one of those tackles that came off the board. Yeah. Um. When when Pittsburgh jumped in front of them for Broderick Jones, I think they were just like, fuck. Yeah. They were now desperately we're... trying to trade down. Now you yeah. can't leave. <laughs> <laughs> So I wanted to go because we we talked about people like we were we were kind of discussing before like who do we think won the draft who do we think lost the draft and you kind of veered towards the Texans and you really loved what they did I liked their overall draft but I had a glaring issue with with majority of so sell me on the Texans here why do you feel that the Texans were one of the winners here so I think they did what they needed to do. They went out, they got a quarterback, but they also solved the problem that they had, which was they had a overwhelming desire to have a guy like Will Anderson on the team. 
Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think it would have made sense for them to go Will Anderson and not get CJ Stroud. So I think they made a aggressive move. It is aggressive. Don't get me wrong. Like it is, it is a tasty one, but ultimately CJ Stroud is a guy who hasn't thrown a pass since January and his stock was all over the place. Like people were like really concerned. Like he might even not even go in the top 10. Now I think a lot of that is just like the sports industrial complex, just trying to generate stories. Draft silly season. Yeah, but I I think that they needed a quarterback. If you wanted to wait another year with Davis Mills or whoever the fuck they were going to have out there, I think they the, the fans would have stormed the Capitol. Yeah. Um, and I think they needed to go out there, make a splash, get, give a reason for folks to come to the stadium and at least give them a shot. There's not going to be a ton that is going to impress anybody about the Texans this year. But I think having at least the future of your quarterback position present on the roster right now mm-hmm. with your coaches, and this is a guy that a lot of people liked there, and also having a proven commodity in Will Anderson on your team solves at least some of the PR issues that were J.J. Watt left, Deshaun Watson likes to do illegal things to unlicensed therapists. And at least that section, this is going to sound weird, but I think that the best comp is when Matt Ryan was drafted by the Falcons. They, at least they were able to close the book on the Mike Vick era and say, we have somebody now that's going to potentially lead the team for another 10, 12 years. I, I was kind of shocked, honestly, that they took Stroud. Uh, not not because I'm not a Stroud fan. I'm a big Stroud fan. Um, they share he Stroud and Watson share the same agent, and there was like apparently a lot of heat between his agency and uh, and the Texans. Mm. So a little yeah. surprised by that, but uh, I, I, it just goes to show how good CJ is. Um, I I hear that, and you know what? I do agree with you that I do think it was aggressive, and I actually view that as a positive. I would, yeah, I think NFL in the NFL you win by being aggressive and taking shots, but man, next year is a tough one to make. Now, if it was this year, I would say if it was last year's draft, I would have said make the move, do whatever mm-hmm. you want, because everyone looked at the profiles and were like, eh, Bryce, CJ, all these guys, eh, you know, and it's not like you're gonna give up on CJ Stroud after one year, but I think everyone anticipates that the Texans are not gonna be very good this year, right? Regardless of anything. Yeah. I like Will Anderson. I don't love Will Anderson. I know his numbers are, like, big. But, like, he really kind of took a step back this year. Now, granted, that was because he had an absolutely fucking monster season the season before. But he's a little bit undersized. And, like, I just don't know if he – like, if I don't know if he's Von Miller at the next level. That's the comp that ESPN has for him, too. It just feels a little generous, honestly. Like, I, I, I watched enough of Will Anderson to, like, I don't think I, – I don't see a guy who's, like, got incredible bend off the edge. I think he's, like, he wins by a lot by power. And, like, I just don't think you can win that – like, I don't think he's going to – he's big enough to win that way at the next level. I, I hope I'm wrong. But, like, that was a hefty price to pay because they gave up their first-round pick for next year to Arizona, who, by the way, is the odds-on favor to get the number one pick in the draft. And, look, 
a lot can change in one year, right? Because like every year we crown this kid's going to be the next big thing. But Caleb Williams at a USC is being talked about as a borderline consensus number one. Yeah. Borderline Andrew Luck level quarterback prospects. Yeah. And as much as I love CJ Stroud, if you're asking me who I'd rather have, it's Caleb Williams right now, 10 times out of 10. I actually would have been fine if they taken Will Anderson and punted on quarterback for another year. Drake may as well. Yep. I will. I will throw Drake may. I think I, I, some people have Drake may as one. I don't as of right now, but again, it's a long year. The Cardinals, by the way, if they, the Texans right now are favored to get the number two pick. It's not inconceivable that next year, the Cardinals could get Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison jr. At one and two, which would be fucking filthy. Um, I just, just got that whole, he just got that whole, um, you know, Kyler Murray thing going on there. Well, I think if you, if you have a chance at Caleb Williams with a new GM in place, he's gone. Oh, I'm not, I'm not pushing back on that. Like, yeah, I, I think every NFL contract is a solvable contract. It just depends on how much you're willing to like soak. Yeah. Like one year of dead cat money. Yeah, they'll, 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 and, and, and Murray's young enough that like some team, maybe the 49ers, if they're still in flux, right? Like a guy like Murray with, with Shanahan would make a lot of sense. They'll, they'll, they'll get something, they'll, some team will take on a majority of that contract to make it work. So, yeah, it's not like he, they're going to be dead in the water forever. Um, if the Eagles could move away from Carson Wentz and be relatively like that contract, they, he had just signed that contract and like, the ink was barely dry and they drafted Jalen Hurts. So um yeah. So as far as it goes, I'm but like it's it is a big gamble. If they end up overperforming this year and they end up with the 15th pick, who gives a shit, right? But if you guys suck and you get the number one or number two pick, man, that is tough. Right. Especially Marvin Harrison. Like if if you do end up with if you didn't make that trade, Marvin Harrison Jr. and reunite him with uh CJ Stroud in Houston would be amazing. So it's just, I am just, I, I didn't view Will Anderson as the guy you do that for, but I do, uh, I do give Nick Casario credit. He's got fucking balls to make that move. So yeah. like, I don't know if I make that move, but like it could end up paying huge dividends for them. I mean, I also think too, it's almost like a D'Amico Ryan's like ask, like I want to, I, I want a star defensive player. And it just so happens to be somebody from Alabama. So I think I think if 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 we do find out that D'Amico was kind of pushing it, then I have more faith that he believes Will Anderson is that guy, and I he clearly has good judgment. Um, yeah, I'd imagine he has a good relationship with Nick Saban too. Of course, yeah, yeah. Considering he's he's a legacy guy, so yeah. I I just I don't know, man. I like the rest of their draft, by the way. Um, yeah, I I was actually I actually did like their picks. They got Tank Dell in round three. That was my like one of my draft crushes, uh, the wide receiver out of Houston. So like they, I thought they Brandon Hill from Pitt, the safety. I really liked, they got him in round seven. Um, a lot of good picks there. It's just like, man, you are really betting hard on, on next year. So, uh, I'm going to go with my team. Um, fucking the Indianapolis Colts, man. Um, Chris Ballard, say whatever the fuck you want about him. The man can draft. He ends up getting Anthony Richardson in four. And to me, Richardson is the ultimate lottery ticket. 
I understand people have reservations about him, but my God, like he's just got unlimited potential. I think, and again, like I, you know, we talk about like he's a perfect ten on on the RAS score, more athletic than Cam Newton. If Cam Newton can survive as like a running quarterback, so can Richardson. Mm-hmm. And I think people are, I think people were being a little too nitpicky about his throwing, um, because he also made throws that were just incredible. And like, so like I look at that, he's got incredible arm talent, like the accuracy and all that, whatever. He's now you can also get that shit coached out of you too. And and look at now who's the coach in the coach in Indianapolis. It's Shane Stetchin, who just was the offensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles. And you look at what he did for Jalen Hurts. That year development from year one to year two with Jalen Hurts. He's in a perfect position. Uh the Colts are are yeah, yeah, great, great point. Georgia game through 50 yards off look off read. There was a one play, I can't remember who they were going against, where he did that fucking 360 fucking uh fake, you know, fake throw. He's he's got raw ability. And from everybody I've talked to, like everybody like who's been talking about him saying he's a great kid, he's very smart. He's only 20 years old. He's did one of the younger prospects. 13-year-old brother who sounds like he's 30. Who has a neck tattoo as well, by the way. Yeah. They go hard in the Richardson family. I love it. <laughs> but, uh, but I just, he's, he's just, I, I don't know how, you, I know you have some reservations about Richardson and I, I get it, but like, man, he is exciting. All of my reservations are more so related to like where he goes. Cause I think where he went was going to be really dependent on how successful he was. And I think sure. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. It's like, how does he fail in the NFL? Like, because all of the pieces are there, the character stuff, which is such a big fucking deal for the NFL, even though yeah. all the GMs are shit. Yeah. Um, the, the accuracy thing, I never bothered me. I'm reading the ESPN thing right now. And it says his can, inconsistent game tape raises concerns about his footwork. His footwork. As, yeah. I, I saw shit, for work. That, that shit can be coached out of people. And ultimately when you're running for your fucking life for yep. two years, you're going to throw at anything and there's no playmakers on that team. And they were, he was just out there trying to make plays. Like, yep. I don't blame him for that. I think my concern was like, who is going to be the team that picks him up rather than, you know, because we also know that there are some bumbling idiot teams out there that fall into a number one overall pick because they're not good at anything and they just destroy quarterbacks. That was my fear was the Texans were going to take him and it's nothing against D'Amico Ryans, but like they, I, I don't know about offensively if they had anything set up for him, a defensive head coach. He needs an offensive head coach, a guy who can like get easier. But like again, Anthony Richardson, um, number one out of 915 quarterbacks on raw athletic score, perfect 10. I mean, again, Cam Newton, I looked at, I was comparing him and Cam Newton, not even really that close. Like Richardson is far and away bigger and more athletic. So like in a run first offense, which is going to be early on, like they're going to use him like Jalen hurts in Philadelphia. I I wouldn't be shocked that the Colts win this division and to kind of outline the rest of their picks. Um, in round two, they get one, another one of my draft crushes, um, uh, Julius Brents, uh, corner from Kansas State, 6'3", corner, 210 pounds, really uber athletic. Uh, you know, he better kind of better in zone than in man, but that's kind of what the Colts do. 
round three to get Josh Downs. I said Josh Downs reminds me of Kadarius Tony without the headaches that come with it. Um, Blake, Fre- uh, they had two for fourth round picks. Blake Freeland, who I think is going to probably be a guard in the NFL, really good one. Um, four, five, fifth round picks too. Like they stockpiled draft picks. Tom, I, are you familiar with? I'm going to try and pronounce this correct. Adetamiwa Adabare, the fourth round pick out of Northwestern, the defensive end. I want you to do do me a favor and take a look at this guy's combine that he fucking that he put out there. A four four nine. At 280 pounds, he ran a 4.49 in the 40-yard dash. He's 6'2", and some people will be like, oh, that's actually not good. I'd argue 6'2", sometimes being a defensive end and being, like, shorter helps with leverage. Mm -hmm. Arms are almost 34 inches, which is way above the threshold. 10-inch hands. He ran a three-cone in 7-1-0. For anybody who doesn't, like, if you want to look for edge rushers, the three-cone drill is the number to look for. It's not a perfect science, but typically if you want a guy who is going to be an elite guy off the edge, seven seconds or better is typically the threshold. And if you're above it, it's not bad, but if you're, like, way above it, because, like, if you ever watch a three-cone in action, like, the drill, it's a lot of, like, moving around on a circle. So it's like kind of bending the edge, right? Mm-hmm. For a guy like 280, you're not expecting a seven second. You're expecting like, you know, seven three, seven four, seven one. So I mean, he they're gonna line him up all over the place. No business being there in the fourth round. Just an absolute steal. Darius Rush, who I thought was a second round pick, the corner out of South Carolina. So they end up walking away with two like guys that I think could start at corner in this league. Daniel Scott, safety from California, really good. And then Will Mallory, the tight end out of Miami, I thought was argued like I benefited from they benefited from having this tight end class, which was so deep that Will Mallory, who probably would have won on day two in any other draft, ends up going in day three. Just Chris Boward just fucking showing people how to draft. Yeah. I mean, they did good, which is this is a team that definitely needed a lot of parts. And I think they have certainly gone out there and got the pieces that they need to be successful. I'll just be really curious to see like how all these guys develop because yeah, you know, you're, you pretty much have a project, not really projects, but you have a, you have a quarterback that there's need to be some coaching that's going to be done to get him on the level. But I think everyone's confident that's going to happen. It's just making sure that all of these pieces work together yeah. and the team can just go from there. So, I mean, I, I I'm going to be good. honest. The Colts have never been a terribly interesting team to me, <laughs> but they might be now. It's just, you know, the, the biggest, pro- like Chris Ballard, man, like I just think about his first draft. Uh, moving back with the Jets, getting Quentin Nelson round two. You know he gets uh, Braden uh, Braden Daniels, I believe his name was. He gets the line like they just he just added like supreme talent in that draft and just maneuvered perfectly. Every year it seems like the Colts end up drafting really good players. It was the quarterback, like they Andrew Luck retiring like when he did really kind of just like set them back, and then they you know they they were throwing out the corpses of Matt Ryan and Philip Rivers and Carson Wentz out there 
and like then trying to like find these late round guys and just never they were too good to get a number like a top pick. Mm-hmm. So finally this year they kind of just suffered and now get you know get the fourth pick and I think Richardson is kind of perfect for them with with the guy that they hired and hiring Stetchin I think is just it puts them in a perfect position. So I I I'm very high on the Colts this year. Yeah, he puts a spark in the team too, which they haven't had in the last three years when it comes to quarterback play, which is nice. Yeah, um, I agree. I want to move on to the other quarterback, and that's Will Levis. Did it shock yeah. you how far he fell? No. Um, I actually thought it probably would be longer. I'm not a Will Levis fan. Um, I'm just not. I don't think there's anything that he does that is special. He's already – 24 so he's an older prospect um i don't see where the upside is his 2021 tape was better than 2022 i don't i just he's a tough kid he's tough he's smart he's got a good he's got a decent arm but i I think people overrate his arm too um i don't i don't love him as a natural thrower i didn't see anything special with uh with will levis i i expected he was going to fall into day three yeah, I think there's two sides of the potential coin, um, more like on a sliding scale of there's like Anthony Richardson potential, which is like to the moon, right? Yeah. Like all the physical tools are there. People can see through the tape and see like, hey, this guy is going to be really fucking good. But yeah. then there's also the Will Levises of the world. And I feel like this happens all the time in the NFL draft when there's maybe three or more quarterbacks that are going to go in the first round. There's always somebody that's kind of shoehorned in. Yep. And he felt like one, even watching some of the games in real time, I was never terribly impressed by what I saw. Granted, he was hurt a little bit last year, but he also wasn't able to win the starting job at Penn state when it was pretty weak there. Yeah. And la- and even 2021 was fine. I mean, it wasn't, it didn't, nothing blew me away. I think Again, like we're getting into like what the potential could be and you could see results with Richardson. You could see it in CJ Stroud. You could see it even obviously with Bryce Young. You could see like these guys are fucking really, really good. And Levis was like, yeah, but he can be really good. Just never showed it. Yeah. And, you know, I. If the Titans did not get him. I thought that he was probably going to fall to like, did Miami have a pick? Yeah. I thought Miami might be somewhere where he could go. Just given that the, the two situation is a little tricky. I think and, Detroit, I think Detroit was probably an option too. Um, if, if he had fallen far enough, because clearly they didn't want to take a guy on early day two, but they took hooker on day three. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but like, yeah, I, there was, yeah, that was another thing I was like looking at and I'm like, I don't really see a lot of teams that are like really in like, I, like, again, like what the route that Will Levis is going to have to do to be successful in the NFL to me is going to be very tough. Yeah. So I just don't see where the upside, I can see the upside with Richardson. I can even see the upside with Bryce young because of how like electric he is. CJ is like a, a dart thrower. He's, you know, he's got amazing touch. He's very accurate. So like those guys don't typically fail. They may not be, his ceiling might be capped, right? He might be Jared Goff yeah. with a slightly better arm or maybe a little bit better movement skills, but like he's not, but Jared Goff's a fucking good starter in this league. So like CJ's yeah. not going to fail. Um, And I can see the upside with hooker. 
despite his age and despite the ACL and all that, like, I mean, no one was a better thrower of the football in college football last year than Hennon Hooker. Levis to me, I just didn't see it. So yeah, I hope I'm wrong. I hope the I hope he succeeds, but it just, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think people were also like thinking like, oh, well, maybe he'll go to Atlanta too. And in my mind, I was, and I said this to a couple of people like, yeah, but Desmond Ritter is going to be the same thing that Will Levis is. I, I honestly, I'd rather have a second year Desmond Ritter's Ritter. Ritter's a better athlete too. Yeah. I would rather have a second year Desmond Ritter than a first year Will Levis. Cause ultimately they're going to probably put up the same numbers, right? There's, yeah. They're going to be growing pains with both of those guys because they sure. neither one of them came from a premier program. Ritter's younger. Ritter's younger, by the way. Yeah. Despite having <laughs> started in the NFL already. And he's already got experience in the league, too. So yeah. he, he's already played against the pro talent. And his college career was not nearly as up and down as Levis's is. And I, I, I don't think we are like anti-players unless you're real pieces of shit. Like, I'm not against him. I, I hope he does well. I hope he has a 15-year career. He yep. starts a bunch of games. He wins a bunch of games. I just – I think you and I are in agreement. Like, the hype train around Will Levis was just – I think it was a lot of just smoke and mirrors. And yeah. Chris – I think it was Chris Ballard said, like, nobody actually knows where any of these guys are going to go. Like, anybody who says they know for certain is lying to you or just trying to spin it. There was somebody who said that – there was, there was a report that came out that if they missed out on Richardson, they were going to take Levis at four. Yeah. So I, and I think the Colts had a relationship with him. So like, I think the Colts kind of like knew Levis and like, and I, I think actually if anywhere, if Levis was going to be successful anywhere, I think Indianapolis, which what session, because again, like using his legs, using his toughness kid, man, he, he played through a lot of injuries last year. He was tough. Didn't complain. Went out there. He had like a broken thumb he was throwing with. Like, he had a busted up foot too. Yeah. I give him credit, man. He's a tough kid, but it just – that and the mayo and the coffee. Like I can't – I can't – Yeah, that. that's that's questionable. I don't <laughs> – I'm going to say this though. I don't know with the current coaching staff they have in Tennessee if that's the best place for him though. Yeah. I, I – Such an uncreative offense because Derrick yeah. Henry is such like – it sucks all the oxygen out of the room. Yeah. I don't know. I, 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 yeah. I mean, I, I just don't really like Tennessee does not excite me and it kind of makes perfect sense that he would be because like, I mean, Malik Willis is, you know, a physical Marvel, but like they couldn't do anything with him last year. Couldn't get anything going. And now maybe that's just Malik Willis. Maybe, maybe he's just not the guy that people thought he was going to be, but like they couldn't get anything going with him. So I, I don't know. Yeah, that was one that was actually really curious about because there was all those reports that came out that said like the Tennessee Titans are kind of done with Malik Willis. But just if you look at the numbers that he had to put up for that team, like he never threw the ball enough to show like. They kind of shielded him, but that could also be because they saw him throwing in practice and they're like, yeah, he can't, he can't do it. So yeah, they didn't want to, they didn't want to Nate Peterman him pretty much. That's fair. I mean, the best game that he had was, was he 17 for 31 for 276? Uh, I think he had like three picks in that game, but I mean, I don't know if the sample size is enough for them to justify like throwing him away completely, because I could also imagine another team picking him up and being like, you know, I argue that my Giants should take a shot on him uh, as a third string quarterback. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that there's there's again certainly some upside there, but if you are already throwing out Malik Willis, I think that shows that that team just doesn't really have much of a direction anyway. And does signing, does drafting Will Levis actually change anything for that? No, it doesn't. But yeah, but I mean, I guess you know for the value that they got in the second round, if they viewed him as a first round pick, which I, I assume they did probably. Um, to get him at early day two and, you know, small trade up for him. It's not a, it's not a bad deal. Um, I did want to ask you, I don't know if you have one. Um, is there like a value that, because we talked about some reaches, but was there a guy that maybe stood out to you that was like a value? Cause like I, for me, it's Michael Mayer. Um, he was one that I was thinking yeah. about, um, I mean, he goes, he goes pick number 35 to the Raiders. And I think because of a tight, a crowded tight end class, they kind of be I, I, to me, Michael Mayer might be a top 10 prospect in this entire draft. And I think because he ran like a four, seven, Oh, he's not the biggest guy. He's not the strongest guy, a tight end. He's an elite blocking tight end and he's got really good receiving chops. So like I, to me, he's a guy I think could be a pro bowl tight end that they got in the second round. Here's one that I have you that I'll give you that I know that you'll love. And maybe mm. we can transition to this. Yeah. Jalen Hyatt. For sure. I just, I, I think there's, there's a couple of reasons for that one. He really showed the kind of wide receiver that he can be last year. Um, but also to a team that absolutely needed a fresh, young, explosive wide receiver. Yeah. Going in the third round to the Giants, a team that's already kind of on the up and up, already had a pretty solid draft as is. Coaching staff is going to be there. Offense is starting to show signs of life. Yeah, Th- Their problem last year, and again, we've talked about this ad nauseum, is just the, the struggles of getting talent and keeping it on the field of the wide receiver position at the offensive skill position outside of Saquon was just so hard for them last year up until probably like the end of the year. But having him on the team, being able to kind of take the top off of a defense and challenge some of those Philadelphia Eagles cornerbacks and defensive backs in a way that, you know, other guys like Sterling Shepard, who's coming back, Darius Slayton, Hmm. Jamison Crowder, those guys are just not able to do so. Paris Campbell too. I was kind of, I was really surprised that he hung around until the third round because all of the juice on him was this guy is dangerous. The, the uh, report was that Dable apparently reached out to Sean McVay to uh, initiate the trade. So Mm -hmm. uh, apparently this was Dable's guy. Um, I think they wanted a wide receiver on day one. I think they were targeting Quentin Johnston and, Jordan Addison, Zay Flowers, and all those guys. And then all of a sudden they just got jumped. Like literally four four receivers come off the board in a row. Um, you know, 20, 21, 22, 23. So they they moved up to get Banks, which by the way, Banks was my number one guy walking into the night. I was I it's who I wanted. You know, again, Banks, uh, go off the RAS score, he was a 9.99, third out of all the corners since 1987. Bit of a one-year wonder, so that's the one thing you do wonder about. Um, he didn't really do it outside of that, but he's an athletic marvel. He's he's an immediate cornerback two, I think, walks in with cornerback one upside. And then John Michael Schmitz in round two. 
again, not the most athletic center prospect, which is where I usually like to go, but the dude is like rock solid wrestling background. I love a center with a wrestling background. Give me that all the time. Bit of an older prospect, but I don't mind it in this case because typically when I look at an older prospect, I say like, yeah, he's 24 coming into the season. I think like, oh, they means that they've had tons of injuries or they they weren't good enough to start right away. So they had to like wait for their opportunity. Seems like this, I think it was a COVID year that he missed. And then I think it was a red shirt season. So it's yeah. Like, okay. Not a big deal. 35 starts, barely missed any time due to injuries. So let's get to Hyatt. Hyatt is one of the most exciting things. And he kind of capped the one thing, which was all three first round, all first three picks of the giants were all mock drafted to them at 25 at some point. Mm-hmm. So at some point, Deontay Banks, John Michael Schmitz, and Jalen Hyatt were all predicted to go 25 to the Giants. To get them all within the first three rounds and then did move up to get Jalen Hyatt is pretty incredible. Yeah. I have no doubt that Jalen Hyatt can be successful in this Giants scheme. They're going to find ways to get him open. Dable clearly has a plan for him. I was not the biggest Jalen Hyatt guy. And a lot of that is because of the fact that he is playing at Tennessee. It's not his fault, but Josh Hoople's offense is incredible. It's very spread. He did not have to work to get open. He had a lot of free releases based on how far outside the hashes they go. So, and if you look, Jalen Hyatt had one, literally one rep against press coverage in, in college football this year. One. So that's one time where a guy is lined up in his face and putting his hands on him. So a lot of times Hyatt was getting a free release. Now, when he gets that free release, by the way, he was the fastest person in college football last year, according to GPS. So like he only cocked in at a four, four, which is like, I thought he'd be faster than that. Right. But then you look at his actual play speed on tape and Joe Shane talked about this. He said he was actually at the Alabama game when he scored five touchdowns, he felt the speed on the field. So he's six one, he's six foot one seventy. He's gonna play at one ninety. I think apparently he's already up to one eighty five. That could help. I am just worried about how he's gonna do when he plays the Ravens, you know, and Marlon Humphreys in his face putting his hands on him. Can he learn to separate? Can he learn to like get off of his route and get back on? I think he can. He seems like he's a smart kid. He seems like he's a good kid. I don't care in the third round. 73 overall, I don't give a shit. It was 25 where I had reservations. So to get him at 73, that type of prospect, I have my issues with him, but I'm ecstatic where they got him. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, looking at his numbers from 2020 to in 21, they're pretty pedestrian at Tennessee, yep. but he went off last mm-hmm. year. And he did. I think there's a development curve in there. I don't know if you also saw that clip from the, Hey rookie, welcome to the NFL where there was the Cowboys Cowboys. wide receivers coach that was questioning him. Like, shut the fuck up. Your team sucks. Like, I don't know who the fuck you are, but like, mind your manners. He was like, he basically said like, you have a skill set. And he's like, what skill set? And he's like, you're fast. And he goes, I can run routes though. He's like, we'll we'll see. And he's like, yeah, we will see. So it's uh, it's, it's great. 
Uh, I like his, I, I, he also had a great quote. Um, I, I don't know it off exactly offhand, but he basically said that he's going to, Daniel Jones came to meet him at the facility, which was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but he said he wanted to sit down with Daniel Jones and find out what he likes and what he sees in like certain situations. Like he said, he wants to be a safety blanket for him. I love that. Love hearing that. Like he wants to know, like, don't, don't tell him what you do. Well, find out what he likes to do and then match that skill set. That's what I want. Yeah. Like, so. That's some team player shit. Yeah. And frankly, I think, again, there's a lot of energy around the, the giants right now. People like that team. Love Brian Dable hitting the fucking vape pen mid. Apparently, apparently, it was not a vape pen. It was a yeah, okay, bizarre. yeah, okay. That's what they're saying. But I also I wanna... a badass too, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to point out though that like one of the more unheralded um, picks was uh, Eric Gray. Um, he was the fifth round pick, running back out of Oklahoma. Yep. And uh, pretty amazing that, like, he was kind of, like, not a lot of people were talking about him. And I really love where they get him there. I don't think he's a Saquon replacement. I think he's an eventual um, Matt Breida replacement as a backup. And I think, actually, he kind of reminds me of Matt Breida a little bit. Um, He was one of those guys that I thought really kind of wasn't getting a lot of love. And I was actually surprised that, like, he you know, really didn't, he went much later than I thought. So to kind of give you an idea, um, he was the 11th running back. This is according to Justin Pennick, um, who is the host of talking giants. Uh, Eric Gray was the 11th running back taken in the draft compared to the other running backs taken before him runs of 10 plus yards. Third runs of 15 plus yards tied for third first downs third and yards route run fourth and missed tackles for six. So he compared pretty well um, to these other running backs. And he's like, he doesn't have long speed, but he's got great short area quickness. So I think he's going to be one of those guys who's going to provide a lot of impact for a fifth round. Again, like this is what I'm talking about with running backs. Um, I don't love getting them early because I think, Eric Gray is a guy who could start for you and you're getting a fifth round value on him. So 1300 yards last year at Oklahoma beast. Yeah. 11 touchdowns. So receiving ability too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they did a whole lot of that at Oklahoma this year, just given like how that whole team went down, but putting up good numbers on a shit team is always a nice thing to do. Seriously. So let's talk about uh, let's transition because it's pretty funny. The guy that you guys got was the guy that I was expecting to get at twenty five. So there was a there was a corner grouping that I kind of had in my head, and to me, Christian Gonzalez was the number one corner. He ends up going as uh, cornerback two, and much later than knowing the Patriots got a value. I then had Witherspoon, and then I had Banks, and then I had Manuel Forbes, who is uh, the Commandos pick. He ends up going before Christian Gonzalez. He was cornerback two in this class. He did go one pick before him, though, so it's not. But but still, it's it's pretty interesting to me. But I want to put out two numbers for you, uh, why you should be excited about Manuel Forbes. 14 and 6. So the total number of interceptions that he had in his career at Mississippi State and the number of pick sixes he had. Fucking A. 
trust me, I am, I was very, very skeptical of this pick when it happened in real time. And I screamed at the top of my lungs. <laughs> and then I saw that pick six that he had of Will Levis. I'm like, okay, I feel a little bit better now. Um, I'm not mad at it. And frankly, I think that it's a good pick because if you watched any Mando's games last year, their secondary had no explosive playability. Like mm. it's QAnon Jack runs a very vanilla defense. It's really conservative. I don't know how much of that is because of Chase Young being hurt, but there wasn't a whole lot of like takeaway ability on the team unless they played the Cowboys. Right. Um, having Emmanuel Forbes back there at least gives them a shot to have somebody frankly, similar to a D'Angelo Hall, which is somebody who focuses on turnovers and, and taking the ball away from the other team. Yeah. Um, I was skeptical about his overall size coming in at 6'1", 166. I think they, they envision him playing somewhere closer to 180, 185. Yeah. They say that he has that frame to build on. Quick guy, aggressive guy. He also didn't miss any games in college, too. Yeah, so being that I expected Emmanuel Forbes to be a New York Giant, um, I I watched a lot of on on him, and there was a, a big boo banter. Did a lot of work on him. Um, so I I think that like the, he he does not play one sixty. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't see one hundred and sixty pounds. Um, for you know a guy like 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 that, he he played a lot bigger, and yeah, the fact that he didn't miss any games, he's a playmaker. So I understand why they took him. He's he's more of a zone corner, uh, which Gonzalez was too. Uh, but like Gonzalez didn't really make the the impact plays that Forbes did. So the the last thing that people remember about um Christian Gonzalez too is him being torched by Georgia too. Yeah. So. I think that scared away a lot of people as well, where if you're not really a playmaker and you're getting cooked by Stetson Bennett, um, there's some concerning stuff going on there. I I will say though, so I liked him. I liked Quan Martin because they, they said like, we want starters in the secondary and guys that can make plays. Here is my concern about the rest of this draft. So, and I've heard this from a couple of other places and I don't remember who said it initially, but I think it makes a lot of sense. They drafted very much like a Super Bowl team in the mm-hmm. sense that it's very conservative once you get past those two guys. Yeah. And, you know, Stromberg is nice, but they already signed a center. Um, Braden Daniels is fine, but, I think they just, they need something. Their offensive line is patchwork. And I think there is some concern in that regard and getting Christian, Chris Rodriguez Jr. from Kentucky is, is a value pick at the sixth round, but mm-hmm. is that really what you needed? And and they, they don't, they had their seven picks, which is good, but there's not much that splashes or like value that you're able to pick up and be like, all right, these guys are going to be, these guys are going to be with the team for a while. So I'm going to disagree actually. Good. Um, And the reason I disagree is because Braden Daniels was 
arguably my top draft crush. Um, super, super athletic tackle from Utah. I envision him either on the interior or a center. He can play all five spots very easily. The versatility of that of that type of guy who can probably play tackle one week. Um, I don't know if you remember, Giants used to have a guy named David Deal, mm-hmm. and he literally would play. He started that right guard, then he moved to center, then he moved to left guard, then he moved to right tackle, and then he played left tackle. Like you can play him at all five spots. Not the biggest guy, but like he survived the tackle and did it pretty well. But it's just uber, uber athletic. There's not a lot of things that like you can look for with offensive linemen, but like that short area quickness is what you like has been really one of the only metrics that kind of show um like who is going to be the, the guy at the next level. To me, to him, Stromberg. I was very high on. I think maybe third round may have been – it was towards the end of the third round. little early for him, not really egregious. Like, who was who the center that you guys signed, by the way? Uh, Chase Rulier has been on the team for a while, but Nick Gates. I think so, Nick, they... so Nick Gates is better as a guard. So I don't think and, – and, and by the way, as a Giants fan, I love Nick Gates. As a player, he's mean. He's nasty. I love that. Not the – best player he's fine and that's my concern in the sense that their free agency like signings yeah nothing really jumps off the board and that's where i think that that drafting like a super bowl team like idea plays in the sense that it's not like you have elite starters at these positions so getting these guys that are fringe starters right now drafting towards the future i'm never against drafting trenches on day two man i'm never against drafting trenches i love drafting offensive linemen especially on day two um i i i'm a big fan of ricky stromberg i think he's a long-term center prospect um young guy who i i think is super powerful uh, I, I like I, any stuff I saw in Stromberg was very positive. And honestly, I was kind of, if we didn't get John Michael Schmitz or if we went in a different direction around two, Stromberg was my guy that I wanted um, or Braden Daniels to be a center long-term. So like you ended up getting both of those guys. I was very happy with Jartavius Martin in round two. Dude had a 44 inch vertical. Like yeah. just disgusting. Um, so like he was a guy that I was kind of keeping an eye on. Uh, as a potential round two pick, um, Chris Henry, Chris Rodriguez Jr., not the most flashy guy, but like really, really, really solid back. I think there's a lot of uncertainty with your running back position right now. I don't think there's anything that's like super kind of played out right now. That's like, you know, who who is who is the guy for you at this point for like you, for the running back position? Like, do you even really have like a guy? So I think having the enemy there, they really don't necessarily need a individual. And my, my concern more so comes from like, I know that we talked about like inside linebackers and stuff like that. I would have preferred to see one of those guys there because they already have Antonio Gibson. Um, they have Brian Robinson. Yeah. Um, mid, and, mid. I mean, Robinson, I think has talent and Antonio Gibson is a pretty good pass catcher. I think they just have not given him enough time. Yeah. I think for me though, like I would have liked to have seen a position that they have not gotten a lot of 
production out of and consistency out of like the inside linebackers on that team. I would have liked to have seen a little bit of a shoring up of that position. Yeah, I get that. I, but I also, I subscribe to the idea of like, follow your board, you know, trust your board. And if it's like, you can't draft for, for need, you have to draft best player available. And if those guys are the highest on your board and it's a sixth round pick, I mean, realistically sixth round picks are just dart throws. Like you don't yeah. know what they're going to be. So like getting a guy like Chris Rodriguez, who I thought was probably, probably should have went earlier um, in the sixth round. is not a bad, it's not a bad get. The only issue that I have with the commanders right now, as far as the people that they picked, as far as like Stromberg and Daniels and sp- specifically Forbes is that Forbes really can't, I don't think he can survive in a man scheme. Because, again, 160 pounds, it's tough. He is much better when you let him play off, let him jump routes, and let him anticipate watch quarterback. Um, that's that's typically where I like him. Problem is you're going through an ownership change. Now, if an ownership – if the new ownership comes in and goes, oh, you know what? Fuck this. We don't want these – we don't want – we don't want QAnon Jack anymore. And then hires like a, a guy who runs like a press man scheme – Forbes may not fit as well. So that's the problem. Yeah. Well, I was also going to mention that too, in the sense that some of these picks seemed kind of conservative because they're going through the ownership transition right now. So I would imagine some of the scouts are like, we just don't want to fuck this up. Right. Um, And we all want to keep our jobs. So let's go after what's safe rather than like a flashy pick. Um, I will say though, yeah, no, I get it. And honestly, Josh Harris can't be the owner soon enough. Like he's got two teams that his ownership group owns that are in playoffs in their respective sports. I think, and we had talked about this a little bit offline. I think the, the, the atmosphere around this team is going to change dramatically once he is and his ownership team is installed and they're managing it now. Um, Pat McAfee had Jason Wright on his show last week. I really like Jason Wright. I think he's got the right approach. He's been fucking putting out fires there since day one. He said that they had a turnover of personnel around like 80%. Like they've completely reinvigorated the business side of the team and ultimately got a lot of those fucking bad eggs out of there. And thank God. Now the only stinker that's left is the Snyders, but the big stink. Yeah. Like the, (laughs) all the Bruce Allen's of the world's the, all of those shitty dudes are gone. All of the yes men are going to be on their way out. Now it's time to actually build a respected team. One last thing about the commandos that I wanted to mention was I'm actually really excited about um, a wide receiver punt returner in Casimir Allen that they picked up as an undrafted free agent. Guy is a fucking bullet. And some of the tape on him, he has just got a lot of speed. Reminds me of a former Kansas City chief that Eric B made very successful. Um, wow. Who we talking about? Uh, who are we talking about who I think you're talking about? Yeah. I don't know if he's as fast as Tyreek Hill, but some of the plays where I've seen where he's just been able to separate from guys um, and just leave them in the dust. So I think having guys like that, that have explosive speed is something this team has missed for a long time. So I don't I don't see any numbers from him on uh, his pro day. Um, so he may have, he may have been injured or something that may be the reason why he went undrafted. 
Um, I don't see any. I would like to see some numbers, but yeah. Um, he ran a four or five three on his pro day, which is a little bit. But again, sometimes these these forties are a little bit um, misleading because one of the guys that I actually was going to bring up was also a non-drafted free agent that the New York Giants signed. They actually gave him a lot of money, 253K guaranteed, which is like doesn't sound like a lot for an NFL player, but he he is an undrafted guy, Bryce Ford Wheaton. He is a wide receiver from West Virginia. And I was looking up comps for him based on his athletic background, and it's DK Metcalf. Shit. So to give you an idea, his his RAS score is a 9.96, and they put him at 14th overall since 1987 as far as athletic wide receivers. I don't know why this guy went undrafted. I understand the West Virginia offense stinks, and I understand that like he didn't like separate as well. But 6'4, 221, he ran a 438. He he did a, he had 10 yard split of 155. 20-yard split of 255, which put him in the 92nd percentile, a 41-inch vertical. Like, he is just a monster. Yeah. That's Yeah. It, it is wild to see a guy like that go undrafted because, like, even if, like, he struggles, and he does, like, I've seen enough to be like, yeah, he's better athlete than football player right now. But, like, in the right situation, if he hits, that's a – like that's the golden fucking ticket from Willy Wonka right there. Mm-hmm. Especially as an undrafted free agent where it's like, it's just free money basically. So a lot of interesting guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's free. <real> estate. <laughs> yeah. So any other thoughts on draft um, overall yeah. thumbs up, thumbs down on the giants? Very, very happy. I, I gave it an A. Um, there, like we didn't really go over the day three guys, but there was a lot of like high scoring athletes. Um, you know, premium positions, corner, safety. Um, really liked some of the undrafted guys that they brought in. We can go into that at another time. But uh, just yeah, just really happy. Joe Shane uh, knocking it out of the park. Free agency was great. Getting Bobby Okereke and a couple other guys. So I'm I'm actually legitimately like feel good for once about how the direction of the New York Giants going. And I think you feel the same way with the idea of where the commandos will go sans uh, Mr. Dan Snyder. Yeah. I think a lot will, the next three months are going to be really critical for them. So we'll see what happens, but I mean, I'm optimistic. They say it's going to get done. Danny Snyder flew to New York. Hopefully they're signing papers. Um, But I am, Cautiously optimistic for them. For sure. Yeah, I am too, which uh, makes me nervous because I enjoy Dan Snyder as being the owner of the Commanders. You piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, I think that does it for us here. Thanks, y'all, for watching and listening. Um, If you want more of us, you want more of this, you want more of this. More of this. um, You can follow us on social media at Second Mouse Podcast on Instagram and on Twitter. We, we cover more than just the NFL, but given the circumstances, we wanted to drop in this information um, and do us a favor, hit like and subscribe. If you've got nerdy football friends that are out there, tell them about this show as well, because we do cover the NFL, but also other things. We are a holistic 
podcast where we cover a number of things. And that's going to do it for us here, folks. And we'll see you all later. Bye. Okay, let's get me a rhythm. Then he says, and I'm not kidding you, he goes, now clap. Please clap. Just clap for that, you stupid bastard. I need applause to live. Jokey. Joke maker. Ha! Suck it, Jack Sparrow. <laughs>